in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hey, welcome everybody to another episode of Topic Thunder. Here uh, from the Top 10 show. Uh, you know, we're excited to come back every week with uh, a new half hour show where we answer questions from you, the patrons. Uh, you know, you can do, you can be a part of this show. If you donate at the $5 and above level, send in all the questions you, about, uh, you want about whatever you want us to ask or talk about, and uh, we get into it. I am one of your hosts, John Roca. Uh, I am Matt Nost, and if you want to go over to patreon.com forward slash the top 10 and do that, it's with the number 10, and we'd love to have you. The show, mm-hmm. they they send in whatever they want us to talk about. We have no idea what it is until we open the email itself, um, <laughs> which sometimes leads to great discussions, and other times yeah. it's like, shit, I wish we had like a day to think about this. Right, right, a little more time, but that's the fun yeah. of the show. It's, uh, it's, it's totally extemporaneous, and we have no idea. It's essentially both of us doing improv answering these questions, so it's a lot of fun. Well, you know, one of us more seasoned than the other, of course, in Matt Nose, but yeah, it's still fun. Um, I've never done improv. What? <laughs> I, I feel like stand-up is improv, isn't well, it? Well, I mean, crowd work is improv. And yes, oh, that's I, what I mean, yeah. Yeah, 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 but uh, improv, improv, creating characters, I never did. You never did that as an acting thing? No, not until I did people? one... I did one class at UCB for the, the entry level, and then I never went forward because I was like, that's a lot for a little bit back. Yeah. So I didn't go back again. I tried out for one improv group. Uh-huh. I've been doing, you know, I was a glorified open micer. I think I've been doing comedy for like 18 months at that point. Mm. And... uh through a friend who's like, he, this guy was starting a new troupe and he invited out like eight of us comics. And yeah. then it was eight other people that had never done anything like this. And he ended up taking the eight other people in one comic. <laughs> what a fucker, man. And, well, and even the one comic was like, dude, we all were getting laughs at the audition. Those uh-huh. people, like, they're actors. They've never done anything like this. They don't know where the punchline is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was like, so the troop lasted like two shows or something, and it died. <laughs> no surprise. But no surprise. we were 18 months in. It's not like we're fucking Richard Pryor or... True, true, true. You know, Will Ferrell, or, you know, an improv sketch actor, Amy Poehler. Right, right. Uh, Still, you've got comedic timing made, down. Yeah. Yeah. I've consistently made strangers laugh. For about a year of this 18 months. The first six months were fucking rough as shit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've never, I never took a class or anything like that. I, I was shit in the improv class. Just terrible. I was terrible every week. Terrible. Uh, uh, I was so self-conscious. Uh, and I was just like, and all these other people who would have to do scenes, you could tell by the third or fourth week, whenever they were called up to go up with me, there was the eye roll or the hesitation or the grimmest face. Like, ah, fuck, I'm not going to be able to. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that was you in your own head. Improv is the most supportive fucking group in Los Angeles. It's not even if funny. you're funny. If you're not funny, it's not as supportive. I just feel like. I think if it's a, f- a first class, like an introductory class, I think that's. 
if it's later on, then you could do that. How the fuck has this guy made it this far? Type of thing. <laughs> well, then fair. it's early on. It's just like we all say. Everybody's kind of like, hey, you know, <laughs> hey. Uh, but but then we did the final show, and in the final show, just being in front of a crowd, it just that's what I do best. And so it was like for me, it was like, yeah. boom, let's slide in and let's have some fun. It was, and then I thought afterwards, I'm like, I shouldn't have even taken the class. I could have walked out cold and done everything that they did. That was stupid of me. So I'm just not going to keep going forward in my head. I just, that's what I thought in my head. Well, you were lying to yourself, so that's, <laughs> that's good. I could have just done that without you. Bullshit, because you've never been in the, so you don't know how to interact. And no, I've been on are. stage doing theater my whole life. So yes. walking up on stage to play off of people, um, it just didn't seem like that difficult, I guess, when it went yeah. to call for it. I don't know. I agree with you in that that fashion. You know yeah. how to present yourself, how to project, how to like the mm. other aspects of it, but how to react to a joke. Yes. And like all, whatever the rules of improv are. That's a are. fair point. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You I don't didn't know take, those. You'd yeah. be like, what? Why? But uh, I don't know. And you're, <laughs> you'd be a great straight man. Yes. I think I would be. I am on the show. You're the funny one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, like in that, yeah. in that you're, you know, fish out of water. Yeah. True. Uh, which is what I, which is what I basically played the whole show. Any scenario they created, I was a fish out of water and then ending it to the next person. So playing to your strong suits. That's what I know best. Um, all right. Anyway, we should get into it. They want to hear our, our uh, improv pursuits or exploits. Uh, these are the uh, patrons here sending in stuff. I think Ruben Enriquez is the first one. Am I? Am I, I think I'm starting this week, right? Sure. Oh, okay. Uh, this one's from uh, Ruben. As I said, says, hello, Matt and John. How, hope you guys are holding up okay with all the craziness out there. My question is, look, there's craziness everywhere, bro. It's craziness everywhere. You know, it's not exclusive. Uh, my question this week is, if you somehow were brought in as the GM of the Chicago Bulls for Matt uh, and the Washington Wizards for John, what would be your first moves as GM? Thanks for taking my question, Ruben Enriquez. Matt, what would be your first moves as GM of the Chicago Bulls? Uh like it or lump it, I'd find a trade partner for Zach Levine and then basically make Markinen and try and get Wendell Carter, the, make them the cornerstones of the team going forward and see if we have something there as yeah. opposed to Levine going out. I mean, last year was an anomaly in that Boylan took away half of Markinen's touches and just said, well, you're going to have to basically make up for that by getting, you know, rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't he's a better offensive player than that. Mm-hmm. So hopefully with the addition of Billy Don and we can figure that out. But I think Levine is better suited to end up on another team where he could maybe help push for a championship. We're now nowhere near that right now. Right. right. I think he'd be an excellent third banana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, pair him with LeBron and AD. He's a yeah, great was, third banana for that. Team. I was going to say he fits perfectly on the Lakers or even the yeah. Clippers, even yeah. the Bucks. He's got a duo. Although Clippers, he overlaps a little bit with PG and Kawhi. Mm. So yeah, you need yeah you're right. Doesn't have, you can, That's a good point. Uh, I was going to say maybe New Orleans, but they want to see what they've got with the young guys. They could use a compliment next to Brandon Ingram and Zion, though. Yeah, true, true. Uh, Memphis, if he understood he that Jaws the alpha. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's what I would do. That's the first thing. But I, I don't know that you can get more than... 70 cents, 65 cents on the dollar right now for him. Yeah. Maybe. I almost, I almost want the season to start as soon as possible, man. I, you know, great. The Lakers won. Awesome. Move away. Uh, let's see what a second. Let's go. Let's get back these guys back on the court. Let's get Ja back on the court. Let's get these second year guys coming in back on the court. And let's see. 
I know there's going to be a little bit of uh, kind of a truncated off season, but let's see what they can bring to the table in a second year in the league, man. I'm excited for it. Well, you're not getting it till January, January 15th right now, I believe is the date. <laughs> yeah. All right. Maybe fair. they'll shorten the season and they can bang it all out. No, I think you're right. Summer. You don't want to wear those bodies out though, dude. Um, I you think the first, but you don't want to go up against the NFL again. That's true. That's true. So, um, I think the first thing I'd do is find a trade partner for Beal and for Wall. I'd absolutely blow the whole fucking thing up. I'd Good. I'd fire Scotty Brooks. Um, not because there's anything wrong with Scotty Brooks. Uh, I just don't think I would want to saddle him with a rebuilding situation. Uh, yeah, because I, I like how Hachimura is coming along. So maybe, maybe you don't fire Scotty Brooks. Maybe I just find trade partners for uh, Beal and Wall because he's uh, Scotty has certainly shown his ability to bring young players along. Did that at Oklahoma City? Uh, did it here? Uh, has doing it with Achimura there in Washington, and he kind of repaired the divide between Wall and Beal anyway. So uh, if there are trade partners out there for draft picks and decent players, high draft picks, I think that's where I would go. Just start all over again. Scotty in the war room with us, picking out these players out of college, letting us know who to go with. Or I do fire Scotty Brooks, and I bring, bring in Billy Donovan, who really still has connections in the coaching pipeline in college and knows these players probably, and he would give me a better assessment. So that's, that's probably the, the first things I would do, to be honest. Still, I mean, if, if you manage to do Beal and Wall, I would give you my vote for GM of the year. Because Beal, those, those contracts are nasty, dude. <laughs> well, Beal is is the person that everybody wants to take to prom, whether that's guy, girl, or whatever the case is. And Wall yeah. is the one that's in like this abusive relationship that <laughs> may or may not be over, and you're not sure. He, he's still pretty hot, but yeah, we could be a lot of dust up, and uh, <laughs> it's I don't. Is it worth the headache? I think I mean, Wall needs to go to the Knicks, man. Wall would fit perfectly with the Knicks. That's I, that's he's a superstar. He wants in his mind. Look, so going to New York makes all the sense in the world. Leon Rose now runs New York, which is, I believe, Chris Paul's former manager. Yeah, and Carmelo Anthony's former manager. Carmelo looks like he's going to go back to the Knicks. Like that makes any fucking sense in the world. What? Stop it! It's, it's either hearing? well, it's either Portland or the Knicks. You gotta go back to Portland. Why would you go back to fucking New York? What do you gotta prove in New York? Because Portland is he willing to full time accept the fact that he's could be coming off the bench, but you're yes. a player, you're your third option at best on this, sometimes fourth option. You're done. Your time, you had your time. It's over. He goes to the Knicks, he's the two option. But, yeah, but then he endures all the hate and the I, anger and the vitriol. Why would you put yourself I through that? Yeah. I agree. But anyway, so New York has its eyes on different prizes. That's that's true. That's John fair. Wall. That's the thing. John Wall, it's going to be tough to find a dance partner for that one. Would you trade in Miami for Dragic? Do you think John Wall and Jimmy Butler is a fit? Uh, the contracts won't match, won't okay. line up. So Miami, you'd have to give up something else. And no, I wouldn't do that. I think indications are now Miami is just going to try and do like a one-year deal with uh, Dragic, but get him yeah. a nice payday. Yeah. Just to show, like, hey, respect, but we can't give you a four-year because you're an injury and an older guy coming off of. Right. Or maybe a one-and-one one team option is on the second year type of thing. I think that's what Dragic does. And then shows he's healthy, signs a long-term deal. Right. You know, through a long-term three- to four-year deal after that. I, 
Go ahead. You keep trying with what? Once again, GM of the year is on the line. I don't think Miami does that. Next. <laughs> I don't know if there's anybody else. Maybe Phoenix, but I don't know if there's anybody else that's out there. Why? Maybe Indiana, all the depot. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I can get all the Why? depot for a wall. I think that works. He's so much older than their cores on both teams, especially that's Phoenix. That's true. Why would they do that? They'd have to give too many assets for a guy that's seven years older than the, the prime of their core. Maybe I can trade him to Lakers and just take that. Take everybody, Kuzma, bring back uh, McGee, get all those picks. Maybe that's something. Maybe that's something. Maybe you can get the what the Casanova kid or Caruso kid. I don't know. I yeah, I I say no if I'm the Lakers. Of course. That's your entire like backup. It's it's this over and over and over again. I mean curious, man. Uh who knows what Houston does. So maybe Houston Houston. does. I have no idea what they're gonna do, but I don't think Houston does it. Could I trade John Wall for uh no, there's Maybe no way Harden's coming. Russell. Oh, Russell. Maybe hard, a wall for Russell. I'm cool with that. I'm actually cool with that. If the contracts line up, Russell would reinvigorate Washington. And he is wasted being second option on a team. He's wasted. The guy is a fucking alpha. Whether he wins or not, he's an alpha. So let him run a team. If I'm Houston, I don't immediately hang up. It's intriguing. <laughs> right. It just walls now proven to be injury prone. Westbrook has been out. Yeah. But like he had that, you know, when, when Pat Bev ran into him and tore his, I think it was his MCL. Yeah. That, that was a freak type of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas wall slipped in the shower. Yeah. And That's tore his Achilles. How do you do that, dude? I've taken numerous showers. I've never slipped in the shower and tore my Achilles. Please. Uh, <laughs> Just He's a world class athlete. How does this happen? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Grant, granted, it happens, but how then do you tear your Achilles fall? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I want to figure out. Yeah. This just, it always felt like a cover story for something that yeah. neither him nor the Wizards wanted to agree to. Yeah. Like Shaq. That just, one time Shaq got injured and faked and lied about how he got injured. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's easier on everybody if they just say he slipped in the shower like an old person. Sorry, jumping out of a stripper's hotel room. Man. Who knows? <sighs> Who knows? knows? Anyway, but, but yeah, I would tra- I'd trade. If I could trade Beal and Wall, that's what I would do. Because And I would trade Beal not because I can't build around him, but because he's given us enough, and we put him through enough hell. He should go yeah. someplace where he can win. And uh, it, as a thank you, you know? Yeah, and you'll get the greatest haul. So it's the yeah. best path to rebuilding if you move him now because you're not going to win a championship as you're yeah. currently constituted. I don't care where I dump Wall. Um, okay. Uh, thanks so much, and Ruben. I appreciate that question. We we appreciate that question. What's the next uh, one there, Mike? I mean, uh, Matt. Um. Oh, the next one we can do at the end. You see what it is? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So what uh, do we we'll move on to um, Machine Gun Lemke, Chris Lemke. Oh no! Again, another one. Nice. I, uh, yeah. Uh, what's up, guys? Trying to keep these spread out so you don't get hit with four and two week span again. I've lain COVID. <laughs> Here's the question. What actor slash director in either TV or film were you surprised or disappointed just didn't make it? Had a couple oh. uh, start, but fell off the cliff of a, uh, had a couple start, but fell off the cliff of obscurity. Okay. Second question for John. Since you have told people you were moving to San Diego, what's your tally of whale's vagina jokes hurled your way? Such as, 
such an odd mnemonic to have stick for the city. Be well and go vote, Lemke. Uh, yeah. Um, actor, director in either TV or film, we're surprised this one just didn't make it. Well, you can't really say that with a director, right? Because, like, if you have, even if you have a one hit wonder, you can always default to the television. But what is didn't make it? What's the definition of didn't make it, Matt? It's a great question. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, for director, maybe it's the lofty heights you assumed. Yeah. You know, to come out the gate like a Shyamalan. Yeah. He's, then, he's got, I had a, he says, had a couple start, but fell off the cliff of obscurity. See, that's tough. Yeah, that is tough. Because very rarely do you go, I got a good feeling about this guy, and then you don't see them for 10 years. Right, right. right. Um, I mean, you could say like, Eric Bana yeah. or Clive Owen. Um, but they made it and they were there for a time. They just right. very few people are Tom Cruise. Yeah, when you say did make it means like you didn't get there. Uh yeah. there's so a who difference. the fuck's name do you know right. from TV and history past? You're like, oh, you know what? Do you remember this 17th actor? He comes in on this very one specific scene. I always mm. thought he was, you know, indelible. Yeah. Uh that's tough. Maybe the guy from Rocket Man? Your film Harlan that you Williams? love so much? Harlan Williams. Yeah, he didn't really like I they see. tried, but then I he didn't see. really get there. But are you surprised? <laughs> that's a good point. You're right. That's I guess that's that is part of the equation. Yeah. Surprise. He had a distinct acting style. <laughs> it was that what uh uh half baked and yeah. Dumb and Dumber. Oh, half, speaking of half-baked, Jim Brewer. I thought for sure, and, and to be honest with you, this actually is a really good timing, this question. For the last few days, I have gone into an SNL wormhole with the Jim Brewer stuff. I've been watching his Pesci show and okay. his Goat, Goat Boy. And some of the, and I'm like, this guy did everything fucking Sandler did, but be, and, and, and just as good, if not better. But for some reason, except, you know, play the guitar and all that. But for some reason, he didn't cross over. He didn't become this kind of like lead of movies and and kind of – he could have been a romantic. He was a decent, good-looking guy. Like I just thought for sure Jim Brewer was one of these guys when I saw him in the mid-90s. Because I would seen him and do stand-up and then when he got SNL, I was like, oh, this is great. Uh, I thought for sure, sure. there's going to be the next level where he's going to be one of these comedians. Like Jim Carrey doing these films because no one thought Jim Carrey was going to do what he did. And I thought it was just going to be like Jim Carrey doing these like serviceable, fun comedies and occasional good one or great one. Um, but yeah, I guess I was disappointed that he never quite made it and surprised too. Well, I mean, I think Sandler made it in the same way that Fallon did. They always had like a smile and this boyish charm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And worked for Sandberg a little bit too. But Fallon yeah. and Sandler were more smiley, like giggly, ha 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 ha, right. cute on the show. Right. Uh, and it's helped translate them over to a long, more mainstream career. Yeah. Uh, what a weird time in SNL where Goat Boy. <laughs> that was funny, dude. I'm sorry. I <laughs> liked it at the time, but I've gone back to watch it. I, I've gone down SNL wormhole. Oh, yeah. Oh, right on. Um, shit. Last week, I couldn't get that. Dun, 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 uh, what is it? Uh, Pass me the pass me the basketball. Give it to me, give me, give me, cause I'm gonna dunk it. Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball, because I'm gonna dunk it. Hey, oh, it's fucking that 
such a dumb <laughs> premise, but I think that's genius. Yeah, actually, that's good. Yeah, that's good stuff. John Tesh and his brother, the little known fucking lyrics to such a dumb, great idea. Basketball. Give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm going to dunk it there. So dumb. So great. Um, and sticking with SNL, I think Sherry O'Terry is another one that I thought for sure. Um, yeah. She was so good on SNL, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was funny in the, the occasional Jim Carrey film when she would pop up or these other things. And then, you know, just nothing. And you see her now and it, it looks like it. Look, I'm not trying to judge or anything, but looking from looking at her now or in these recent uh, like anniversaries and stuff, she looks like it's been a bit of a hard life. And so I don't know if she struggled with anything. I don't know if she, but it looks like she might have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, again, I'm not yeah, trying to be yeah. critical. It's just saying the look. And so, um, yeah, I mean, she was one. I mean, she was such a star uh, in SNL. All, almost all the skits she was in worked really, really well. I mean, uh, Dratch kind of came in and took that slot after she left. And then after Dratch, bit, it was yeah. Asim Pedrad after her. Uh, and the seems still kind of working and doing her thing. She's got a couple series and stuff, but like Sherry O'Terry, I thought for sure, man, was going to just be boom, just do sitcoms and be a series regular on these sitcoms and have no problem. I mean, I didn't think Polar or Faye, I had no concept that Faye was going to cross over. Like, I just didn't think at all. I thought she'd no. end up running a show or something. I had no idea she was going to be a lead of a series that would be uh, revered by so many people. That shocked me, man. I figured Polar, I, I used to watch her on Upright Citizens Brigade. On Oh, on okay. See, I never saw that. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, there's a few sketches from that that have, oh, ass pennies. And then, uh, I think it was <laughs> okay. Little Timmy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Matt Besser plays, he's playing a child, but he's Matt Besser. So he's tall, lanky, whatever. Right. But so he's playing like a five-year-old or four-year-old, but who doesn't realize that he just has this enormous penis that hangs down to his ankle. So his parents have to like strap it down and he's crying and tries to go on a bike. And it's such a, I mean, but it stuck with me, man. I like that. That's a good one. And ass pennies was a good one too. But I remember from that. So I always assumed like she'll get another shot because she's now been on two shows that have UCB was yeah. A cult show, but it got her launched. And then SNL started basically cherry picking UCB actors for the next 10 years. To be part right. of the cast, right? So that, that became the thing in LA. You yeah. got to get so, into UCB, yeah. Exactly. So if anybody knows comedy, it's Amy Poehler, and then people in LA, they love nothing more than throwing money at any problem, which means let's oh, bring yeah. in somebody like Amy Poehler. Yeah. Um, right. So. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> is there anyone I mean, on your end? I've suggested two. Is there anyone on your end that you could think of? Oh, uh, there was a shit. There was another SNL one when you were talking SNL. Okay. It just dropped off the face, and now I'm trying to scan my brain to remember exactly who that was. Okay. Uh, I mean, David Spade, I thought, would get more of a shot, but he didn't. Well, he got, I mean, he was on that. He's got a talk show now. He, he does, gonna, and he, he was on a sitcom for like nine straight years or something. Yeah, Rules of Engagement that no one I know watched. I don't think anyone of us, none of us know anybody who watched that show. But yeah, <laughs> he did. He did a few movies and then kind of segued just straight over into TV and was on TV for a, a decade that yeah, yeah, I never saw. Him and Patrick Warburton and I think Donald Logue. Is that the main yeah. three dudes? Donald Logue, yeah. And then I can't I can't recall. And then uh, what's her face from the is it what show was she on? 
She was on another show before she got on that show. Uh, okay. She plays Patrick Warburton's wife. I forget the actress's name. Is she this showed like up in a Courtney. What is it? Courtney Lee Smith type of show. Uh, yeah, Courtney Thornsmith. Is there Courtney Thornsmith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she was on maybe something about Jim. What was Jim Belushi's show? Yeah, what According about Jim? Jim. Um, here, let's her Megan Price. That's her name, Megan Price. She okay. was on the last season of Curb. She had like a two-episode arc on the last season of Curb. But what was she on before that? Oh, Grounded for Life. That's the one. She was on Grounded for Life. I remember that okay. one. Um, yeah, that one was her and Donald Logue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Kevin Corrigan, for God's sakes. Um, yeah, she's a cutie, man. I, I always thought she was one of those pretty, uh, like attractive ladies in comedy, man. Okay. So that's I, sometimes I'd watch episodes just with her in because I mean, I think she's very pretty. And then when she showed up on Curb, I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. A two episode arc with her because she's very funny, too. Uh, let's see. Damn it. I can't remember who that SNL person was. They're gone okay. now. Well, if it comes, anyway. it comes to you, we'll, we'll sort of circle back. Yeah, uh, sure. And I, as for Whale's Vagina, I, I've only gotten like I've only gotten like three or four times. It hasn't been that much because I think it's been so f- long since that it's not that big of a deal anymore. Yeah, it's done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised you got in three to four times. <laughs> well, you know, it's L.A. Man. They got their jokes. Um, all right. Uh, where are we at right now? We're at 25. You want to do one more? Sure. Let's do one more and we'll call okay. it a day. This right. one comes to us from Mr. Paul Cree. Sure, sure. And say, he says, hi, John and Matt. Hope you're both well. I just just wanted to say thanks for continuing to bring us all great content, especially over this trying time. It's been especially helpful for me to keep me distracted and put a smile on my face. As in July, I lost my dad. Oh, that sucks. Oh. Yeah, we just saw him, too. Damn it. Uh, he was oh. a massive part of my life and one of the people that really instilled my love of movies. Sorry, Paul. Damn. Yeah, that sucks, man. Yeah, that- um, I wanted to discuss Mulan and its Disney Plus debut. According to sources, and he actually gives a fucking uh, footnote at the bottom. Yeah, he's got an yeah. asterisk and he's got it, you know, according to his sources, and he quotes his sources. Good for him. Good gen- journalistic integrity there. Paul works at the BBC. Yeah. Disney Plus has 60 million subscribers, half domestic, half international. Of these 30 million U.S. households, 29% bought Mulan for 30 bucks. That's $261 million. The international, eh, the international numbers haven't been released, but if we approximated at the same percentage, 29%, that would be a total of 522 million. As Disney has distributed it themselves, they get to keep all the profits. Traditionally, they would have be splitting with exhibitors. Uh, to equal these profits for Disney, it would have to have made over a billion at the global box office, which I believe it did. Uh, pardon me, which I believe it did have the potential to do, but was by no means a guaranteed based on these numbers, assuming they are accurate. What are the chances that we see more premium access windows on Disney Plus for other films? Maybe Soul, maybe Black Widow. Thanks, your friend Paul Cree. P.S. Oh, looking forward to the international rounds of Golden Ticket. Well, <laughs> he may be coming up in the very near future. He may be. Um uh, well, here's my response to Paul. Clearly, that was written uh, earlier than the news that dropped over the last few weeks. So September 21st is when he sent that one in. Uh, you know, we're still catching up on all of these. So, uh, but keep sending them in. Uh, but yeah. uh, 
clearly sold is going to Disney Plus. It's been it's dropping on in on Christmas. Uh, and of course, Disney announced last week as we're recording this uh, that they are restructuring their entire um, um, uh, studio to focus on streaming. And so that's going to make it even more of a possibility that you'll see stuff like Black Widow and other things streaming. And I know the purists are screaming from the high heavens. Don't take away my theaters away from me. But these are businesses. These are not here. These businesses are not here to hold your hand and stroke your hair and make you feel good about movies again. Their job is to make money. You know, they if they happen to stroke your hair and make you feel good movies about uh, make you feel good about movies again, great. But what they really want is your money. So if they've altered things and understand that COVID is a real difficult situation for them to navigate now with theaters being closed and their hesitancy to release their new product into those theaters, then that are open, then you've got to figure out how to make your money. Uh, and so, and a lot of investors are pushing Disney to focus more on streaming. So it just seemed the natural order of things that they would. So that's what they're doing now. So I think we're going to see more of these content, more of this content drop uh, onto streaming. And I think we'll have a better idea how to quantify their profits. Like people have studied box office. Now we're going to have to see like, what are their actual numbers? And yes, mm-hmm. removing theaters, which took 50%, depending on what studio and what movie of the profits it allows Disney to keep more of the profit. So Disney has, doesn't have to make a billion off the movie. It can make 500 to 750 million and it's still making what would equate to a billion at the box office. So it just makes more sense. I was always under the impression that, and I, I don't know, um, mm. you know, you more than likely know better than I do, but the opening weekend, like the exhibitors get 10% or so. And then week two, it goes up and week three, it goes up. So they start making more as the movie's been out for longer. No, uh, but that, that opening weekend that the studios got the lion's share of the money. No, no, no. The opening it, it depends on the movie, right? Sometimes I think Matt, you might be right for certain specific cases, but overall, it's usually fifty percent from the beginning because uh, uh, studio. I mean, sorry, theaters have negotiated been like, well, if we don't show you movies, you're not going to make a dime. So you got to give us 50% of the profit because we're doing all the effort by putting it on the screens, by getting staff to, you know, work the the ticket booths, by working the refreshments and blah, blah, blah. So that's been the exchange. Uh, But sometimes, depending on the movie, the studio works out a deal. Like, for example, Tenet, because they were so desperate for content, the the, uh, theaters were, they reduced their asking to 25%. So uh, I think Warner Brothers and Chris Nolan was making 75% of whatever profit came in yeah. uh, from the movie in overseas and in, and domestically. So it's just those little changes they have to make uh, throughout uh, to, to let it be. So, But yeah, but now with the 17-day window that Universal AMC are doing, who knows what happens uh, going forward and COVID, obviously. But I think, it's, I think we're going to see more and more studios uh, jump to streaming, and, and I'm okay with that. I know yeah. some people are going to miss or the theater experience, but I'm okay. Something like soul yeah right it makes all the sense in the world because then also disney can say well we want to provide the you know experience but in a covid environment and what family wants what parents want to take their family out to a theater where there's that kind of lurking in the background yeah exactly so we'd rather err on the side of the caution and still give you that now a year from now when things are projected to be you know opened back up Mm-hmm. I was about to say get back to normal, but it'll take a while before everybody's back to normal type of thing. True. Uh, but things are fully open back up. Then it's a real discussion because maybe people are still tentative about going out. It's like, yeah. how long will this? I would imagine certain tier films like Tenet 
would not stream first because right. no one would be like, this is a theater experience and we're going to do it at the theater type of, right. type of deal. Right. But it's also not a Disney company right. or Disney exactly. product. Yeah. Yeah. And you have that to deal point. with. Yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers doesn't have the subscription service. Otherwise, they probably would have gone that route as well. I mean, they have the they have HBO Max, but I think they're still figuring out yeah. what to do with that at this point. Other than the new content, they're still figuring out how to be able to drop and make the decision to start dropping these things onto. But if I think if Justice League has insane numbers, then why not? I mean, you're not losing anything by putting it on the streaming. Just the experience no. of going to the theater and people will get past that. <laughs> I really think well, people. But, yeah, for something that's already been out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. This is this is basically you know director's cut. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. director's cuts sometimes get theatrical. Sometimes they just get a DVD for sales. We're trying to make more money. They're just trying yep. to make more money. Fully understand it. Doesn't bother me in the slightest. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, Disney is just so streamlined that once mm-hmm. they own it, so how can we monetize everything about this? Yeah, absolutely. They'll figure it out. You know, Disney will. The mouse always figures it out, Matt. <laughs> they do. They're going to make their money. Well, once they own the, it's just like, oh, it's our property and we got to, you know, they're dropping the ball in certain areas and they crush it, just flat out crush it in others. They do. Absolutely. So. Um, okay. Well, all right. Well, that's, uh, I hope, but thanks, Paul, for that. And of course, uh, I hope I speak for Matt. We sent you our sympathies, man, mm-hmm. and our deepest, deepest condolences for the loss of your dad. Uh, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tough, tough thing to go through in life. We didn't know about it before you did the show, uh, Golden yeah. Ticket, or else we would have definitely talked to you about it, like held you on after the show was over and had our own personal conversation with you. But uh, maybe down the road, we can do that with you, Paul. That'd be great. And so uh, thanks for listening to our content. Thanks for letting it entertain you. And hopefully uh, we are making you smile and uh, laugh at the tough times as you're processing this incredible loss in your life, man. Yeah, I, I, our hearts go out to you and to everybody in yeah. roughly the same situation. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, stay safe out there. Hopefully today's show was a distraction. Um, <laughs> thankfully, Paul, uh, you know, gave us that the terrible story and then followed up with the always entertaining numbers breakdown because yeah. who doesn't <laughs> get enthralled with math, you know? I love math, but... Uh, <laughs> There's a reason, you know, a beautiful mind didn't do so hot at the box office. That's a good point. <laughs> but thanks to everybody that sent in questions uh, today and to the supporters over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. Um, Paul, we hope you're doing well. Everybody else out there, you can follow me anywhere at Matt Knows. And that's it for me this week. You follow me at the Roka says on Twitter and on Instagram. And hey, if you've been listening to us on the podcast feed, don't forget we also have a YouTube channel. If you want to come watch us on the YouTube channel, just type in the top 10 uh, and Roka or Nost, and it should come up uh, there for you to take a look at. And then you can subscribe and watch our pretty faces talking about the uh, answering your questions and also talking about uh, the the topics that we do every week on our main show. So there you go. All right. Thanks, everyone. Any last things, Matt? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. The just, Bobby. Uh, if, if you haven't and you're on Instagram, um, Bobby Carney is crushing it on Instagram for us. We're really putting up is. all kinds of different content. So if you want to follow us over there, it's uh, at the top 10 podcast with the number 10 at the top 10 podcast. And that's over on Instagram. So check us out over there. And that's it. Forgot. There you go. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on Topic Thunder. Thunder.